Welcome to Simmer Down with Viv. I'm your host, Vivian Chan. Each week, we will dive into a topic that I'm hungry for. I may or may not have a friend that will join me. The conversation may be a sweet one or just plain salty, but I promise you that it will be full of flavor. So much flavor that you can taste it with a recipe dedicated to that specific episode. Be sure to follow Simmer Down with Viv on Instagram for all recipe links, updates, and info. Now get comfy because we're going to turn the heat on low, let those baby bubbles pop, and simmer down into this week's juicy conversation. Welcome to the first episode of Simmer Down with Viv. This is so exciting and I want to say from the very, very top of my lungs, thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world to me to share with you about myself. Um, It's been a long time coming and it's been a dream. So for you guys to be listening to this really, really brings me extreme joy. So let's get started. A few of you may know me as the host of my own digital series, such as Fifth Tips and Monday Bites. I've also been a guest judge on a few food competition shows. However, my real 9 to 5, quote unquote, is a culinary producer. I do work for Food Network as a full-time employee. I'm that person who brings you the digital food videos that are very popular on all social media platforms. Um, And those things are all great and fun. But who am I? Who am I? Not as a culinary producer, but who am I as a person? Well, it took me quite a while to figure that out. However, if you really, really want to know how I got from way back then to where I am now sitting here and talking to you, uh, we got to go all the way to the beginning, very, very beginning. So <laughs> rewind. Let's go. I am a middle child. I have an older sister. Her name is Lorraine, also known as Lo. Sometimes people call her Lolo. She's a mother of two lovely, lovely cuties, little boys. And I have a younger brother named Eric, also known as Eric. Um, But he is pretty cool, pretty cool dude. The older I get, the more I like him. Uh, The three of us grew up on the cusp of two neighborhoods, Sunset Park and Borough Park in Brooklyn, New York. This is the Brooklyn before Ikea came along. I like to call it B.I., before Ikea. This was before our Brooklyn was fun or cool. It was actually dangerous. This was a time where people did not take trains, aka our subway system, past 8 p.m. And if you did, you always sat in the conductor's cart. It just, it, those were the times, you know, when you see older movies and you're like, mm, New York isn't like that. New York was like that. Brooklyn was like that. Uh, the boroughs were not popular. Dumbo did not have a carousel, people. Brooklyn real estate was not high. No one cared about Brooklyn. It was where people got pushed out because we could not afford to live in Manhattan. Um, So my parents immigrated here and it was very, very scary for them. They were new immigrants from Hong Kong and they both left a quite wonderful and comfortable life to come here. Back then in Hong Kong, both my parents had soaring careers, but they had to leave everything behind to a place that was completely foreign and treated you like absolute garbage because they assumed because you looked Asian that you didn't speak a word of English, even though both my parents had bachelor degrees. Hello, America. Thank you for the warm welcome. Even though they both left six-figure career-oriented positions, they came here and they started from the bottom. Well, my dad, who was a marketing SVP of a thriving computer software company, became a waiter at a local Chinese banquet-style restaurant. My mom, 
who was a director at a bank, became a teller at a local Chinese bank. Why do I keep saying their jobs had Chinese in them? Because those were the only people who hired them. Yes, it happened then. It sometimes happens now. That is unfortunate because they both spoke English. They might not have known the slang, but they can formulate a sentence. But people didn't care. Hmm, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Anyway, my parents always told us that we had to educate ourselves, and no matter what we did, we had to give 200%. Giving 100% was not enough. Being second place was first place losers. You always had to be number one. Maybe because they went through the struggle and they didn't want to see their kids go through that struggle. I totally get that. I I get that struggle. But when you're growing up with that mentality, it sucked. It was really hard because you were always overachieving. I felt like I couldn't fail at all. Also, we were always locked up at home. Because to them, America was scary. Racism was real. Racism is still real. Uh, We were raised by my grandmother, who I call Mama. And she is feisty. I tell you, that woman is still with us to this day. Bless her. She didn't speak English, and she worked in sweatshops um, when we were at school to make extra cash for the house. She took us to school. She dropped us off in school. She made us dinner where my parents both worked really, really long hours. The neighborhood we grew up in was predominantly Polish, Norwegian, Hispanic, and there was some Orthodox Jewish. Everyone just kept to themselves, so we did as well. The only time I saw other children that were Chinese or of Asian heritage was at school. It was really special to me having friends that spoke Cantonese at home, but also spoke English at school without an accent. And our grandmothers picked us up. It it was like everyone knew the same struggles. And we were all known as ABCs, which was American-born Chinese. But my little bubble would burst into nightmares. Because I left for junior high. That was a really, really hard time. I didn't go to the same junior high as all my friends. My mom wanted me to go to a better school, so that's what happened. I left my zone school to go to the one in Bay Ridge. The one thing about going to school that's not in your district was people already have friends. They already come with friends that have bonds, and I had no one. I was a loner, and I adapted the best way I could. I gravitated towards the other Asian tweens. However, all the other Asian tweens were either smarter than me or cooler than me. It is really hard to be cooler when you are just wearing hand-me-downs and you're kind of quiet and you're also rocking a bowl cut. Oh yes, I had the classic bowl cut. Straight bangs, side, right above the neck. That is a bowl cut, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know what that means? I will share a photo on Instagram. Tune in to check that out really, really soon. I really regret even making that commitment right now. But hey, a promise is a promise, and that bulk of picture will go up pretty shortly. Anyway, I am not what you call book smart. I'm street smart. I am scrappy AF. But book smart, I am in the middle 80s range on a good day. My siblings were always in the upper 90s, if not perfect score, with the bonus points. Like I said... I wore a lot of hand-me-downs, or my mom still liked to dress me as if I was an eight-year-old. Hello, sparkly lavender purple jeans with a penguin wearing a hat sweater. Cute if you were four. Not cute if you were 12. So, I got picked on a lot because kids can be cruel and they're little assholes. And you know what happens when other tweens think you're a loser? 
losers learn to run really, really fast into safe spaces such as the public library so they don't get their ass kicked for reasons they have no control over. My parents were poor, let's be honest. And I wore whatever my cousins were able to give to my mom and whatever didn't fit my sister. My mom's motto was, who cares what they think? If it's clean and there are no holes, it'll be fine. As long as you're warm, right, Viv? You know, my parents did what they could do best. But other tweens don't get that. And I didn't get that because I was going through so many emotional changes. My body was going through changes. And I was just getting chased and beat up all the time. And that made being poor 10 times worse. And you want to know what the best part of this whole story is? The people that were beating me up were other Asians. WTF. Hello? Aren't we supposed to stick together? Like the Ten Brothers, That's that book that we read? Nope, they didn't. And I really learned at that time, I really, really hated being Chinese. I despised it so much. My sister, on the other hand, was the complete opposite. She was super popular in high school, very, very beautiful, played handball with all her Asian friends, and had so much pride being Asian. So the summer before 8th grade, I made a choice to change. I was going to stop running and figure out how the hell to not only survive my last year, but thrive. I always admired the other girls in my class. They were either Puerto Rican, Dominican, or Italian. And they were so cool and so chill. Always accepting of everyone and actually stood up for me once. When I was about to get beat up, there was a lovely lady who said, What are you doing? Leave her alone. And guess what? They left me alone. It was amazing. So I decided I was going to be their friend. They welcomed me with open arms. They were like, hey, yeah, you can sit with us. Cool. So I started hanging out with them more and more. I saved whatever money I could while I was working odd jobs to get cooler clothes, like a denim skirt. And acrylic tip on my nails. Of course, they had to be French manicure because we're not savages here. They were my girls, basically princesses of Bay Ridge. Sorry, Wolf of Wall Street. I loved it so much. I finally had friends. It only took me two and a half years. But my parents hated it. They saw the change and was terrified. That was a time that I was like, I'm done being Chinese. That mentality stayed with me all throughout high school. I was talking with an extremely thick Brooklyn accent. You know, get me some coffee, I'll meet you at the corner. And basically, my style was inspired by MTV and BET. My high school was in Bay Ridge, and I loved every part of it. And I loved sports. I was in every varsity sport I can get myself into. First year, varsity tennis. Second year, varsity volleyball, basketball, back on tennis. By sophomore year, I was a captain of my tennis team. I stayed with the sports and I loved it. I have to admit, there was a little bit of an identity crisis. By then, I was what you called a rotten banana. Yellow on the outside, black on the inside. I loved it. I loved it. I loved hip-hop. I played basketball. I had cornrows, name buckle belts, name earrings, name rings. My mom was like, are you going to forget your name? No, but this is what the kids do. I saved up all my money to get Jordans, the jerseys to match my Jordans. All my summer jobs, I saved and saved and saved. And I made sure I was able to look cool. Baby fat, rock away, echo red, you name it, I got it. Loved it. Breathed and dreamed it. Then you go to college. Again, that bubble gets popped. Boom. Welcome to the real world. Hunter College. CUNY. And it's located on the Upper East Side. Do you know what that means? 
They don't do cornrows in your hair. They don't do Jordans with the jersey. It's not that kind of school. Again, I had to start completely fresh and I had to figure out my whole new identity. College was the time where I grew and I was like, I have to do this for myself. I squished all my classes in three days, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, all day long classes. And I worked for the other two days and I went on my internship. And that was for four years straight. By my junior year of college, I started working at Coach. I was a signature seller, which means I sold a base of $750,000 by myself every year for the company. I loved connecting with the brand and I loved connecting with customers. I had customers from all over the place. Some of them were tourists, some of them were local. My coach store was located in Rockefeller Center. And some of them were reminding me of me being a teen in high school trying to save up to get that first bag. So it was very, 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 very special time. And I loved it. But one thing they didn't want me to have was my Brooklyn accent. They said it was too, it didn't fit the brand. So they made me lose it or try to hide it as much as I could. So I remember I would say, you know, I, I'm going to go on my 15 to get some coffee. You want they'll be like, what? I'll be like, I'm going on my 15 to get some coffee. Would you like some? So that was my first real taste of saying, hey, you have to simulate and lose whatever identity you have to fit into society. Right after I graduated from college, I went into culinary school and then I became a line cook. Being a line cook, you could be whatever the heck you want. More street cred, the more respect you get in the kitchen. So I kind of went back a little in my high school ways, but not to the extreme. At that point, I was working from like 12 to 2 in the morning. You lucky I barely spoke English. I just knew how to speak kitchen language, which was 86, on fire, fly, on the fly. Like lingo that only kitchen staff would understand. And then I got a taste of real corporate life because I became an intern at Food Network. So that's how I actually got my foot in the door. I joined full-time about eight years ago, nine years ago, and I was a recipe tester. I tested recipes for the magazine. That was a that was a really, really interesting job because I learned how to be the home cook's advocate. I made sure those recipes worked. And as I climbed up and got promoted, I started doing more and more stuff on camera. And the first time I remember I did Monday Bites, before it was even Monday Bites, it was just a Facebook Live. My lead at that time specifically told me to make sure you enunciate, not to sound a certain way. And I just went, oh my goodness, this is just like coach again. I have to like lose any kind of my identity to speak a certain way to appeal to everyone. It became part of me that I don't ever really let the coffee, the corner, my Brooklyn accent, the same way I would at home or the same way I would when I'm hanging out with my friends on the weekend. And it was not until recently someone asked me if I wanted coffee. And I think I slipped out and said, no, thank you. I don't want any coffee. And they were like, what did you say? And in my head, I was like, oh, my God, it slipped up again. And they were like, wait, that's so cool that you have that. And I was like, what? And throughout the past, I would say, two years, no, year, and not until the past year, I was able to really let my identity show It means so much to me now more than ever. Like I said before, my sister has two beautiful boys. And it was actually when Reese was born, he's not even two yet, that being Chinese and keeping up with traditions really meant more and more to me. Because I wanted to make sure he doesn't 
lose a part of his identity or know knows where he's from and his family and his mom and his aunt and like all that culture which I never felt was important to me and I don't know why and I think what made me feel that I have to show him not just traditions but our culture was Chinese New Year his first Chinese New Year we went all out my brother-in-law owns a lion dance company which performs all throughout Chinatown blessing all the shops and the businesses by doing this dance and we brought him along. We gave him little headphones to protect his ears and to see it in his eyes and to see like this is our culture and it's cool and it's us. It's us as a family. It's us as a culture and like all these people get together once a year to really, really celebrate. And whether you're Chinese or not, whether you're Asian or not, you come and you celebrate Chinese New Year as a whole. That's when it clicked. I am proud to be Chinese and I am proud of my culture. I am me and I have so many layers. I'm like an onion. I am peeling back my layers. I have so much depth that people throughout the years have tried to strip away from me and and told me this isn't acceptable. You'll never do this. You'll never do that. No. I'm going to say no to you. No. I am me. I am a Chinese American Brooklyn Knight talkative, loud, honest, loyal person with a voice that can cook. And I can cook more than just one thing. And it matters so much to me that I am able to do that because I never had the pride and the need and the want to learn more about my culture. And as my nephews continue to get older and older, I'm able to share these traditions with him. At our wedding, Jay and I, we made sure we made a nod to our culture with the lion dance because I want to show our future children, God willing, that we have culture and it matters and this is what makes us part of a bigger community no one needs to fit perfectly no one needs to tell you how you want to live your life and who you want to be and this this is what made me want to start this podcast to show you the real me who am i i'm vivian chan i'm a cook i'm a host i'm a judge i'm an aunt they call me yaya i'm a daughter I'm a friend I'm a listener but I also am a person who likes to share so after every episode I share a recipe and this one I wanted to debut with the recipe that I learned from my mother it's very very special because we always make it together on Chinese New Year the recipe of the podcast is called pan fried turnip cake This is a very special recipe because it's adapted from my mom's original recipe that she makes every Chinese New Year. I actually made a video for Food Network for Chinese New Year and it was shot in my home, in my neighborhood, and it shows me making my mom's pan fried turnip cake. And it's the first time that I really got to show people the real me. And I really hope you guys make it. If you do, or when you do, Don't forget to tag me at SimmerDownWithViv on Instagram or check out SimmerDownWithViv.com for the complete recipe. So there we have it, the very first episode. Thank you so much for joining me on my first ever podcast. Don't forget to tune in next week for a new episode and new recipe. Thank you again for simmering down with me and I hope you enjoyed this flavorful conversation. Thanks guys. Bye. 
Simmer Down with Viv is produced by me, Vivian Chan, and Tracy Gushkin from With You Media. For more information, visit Simmer Down with Viv on Instagram, With You Media on Instagram, or SimmerDownWithViv.com and WithYouMedia.com. Material has everything for your kitchen, from cutting boards to tools and my favorite, knives. Say hello to the trio, the 8-inch chef's knife, a 6-inch serrated knife, and a 4-inch almost knife. Three knives you're going to need, no matter where you are or what you do. Check out materialkitchen.com or material on Instagram. Use promo code SIMMERDOWNWITHVIV for 10% off your next purchase. Stay sharp, guys and gals!